Here it is. Again. One, two, three, I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. I'm Rob. Welcome to January 1980, Part 2 of Deep Dyes and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. So this is a regular thing. This is the new normal. We're going to cover yep. the rest of the albums from January of 1980. Um, there's a huge list, and it's a fun playlist, just as fun as the last playlist. So uh, it's going to be a blast. As always, before we get back in the swing of things, I want to remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated, because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. So, Rob, um, let's just let's catch up real quick. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about um, the first episode of season four that we did with Tony, the hooray for 1980s. Yeah. Our predictions. That was crazy. Do you realize only two bands showed up on all three of our our lists? That's I didn't even think about that. That is wow. insane. It's going insane. to be crazy. Yeah. So of of the three of us, our top ten, there were only two bands that made up. I'm looking at my notes here. I see that one of them, one of the bands was the Talking Heads, and the other band was the B-53s, which I think <laughs> might be a typo. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> So, uh, otherwise, um, you know, there were there were several bands that showed up on two of our lists, but mm -hmm. but it's whew, 1980 is is going to be uh, a, wild, a wild wild ride. That's exactly what I was going to say. A wild ride. Yeah, I want to point out it sounded like you know going back and listening to uh, it as I was editing it. Um, it sounds like both you and Tony spent a fair amount of time going and revisiting these albums as you put together your predictions. Mm -hmm. I didn't do, I, I never do any of that. In fact, I had my predictions list put together a week after we recorded the best of 1979. Like <laughs> I, I tooled with it just oh. a little bit at the end, right before we recorded. Yeah. Originally I had talking heads at number two and joy division at number one. Uh -huh. uh, but then I realized that that was crazy and I, I swapped them. And then after that, I realized love will tear us apart was not on the original release of closer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so if I had known that, I, I probably would have kicked it down an, another notch. Um, yeah. So, but anyways, wow. we will, we'll find out in 18 months. Uh, it was great to have Tony on. Um, I'm so glad that Tony is going to be heading up the, um, the, the quizzes and the questions after my one attempt at a yeah. quiz question, I want to leave it to the professionals. I've kind of buggled, <laughs> buggled that one. I went back and listened as I was editing. I was like, man, uh, they, this is way harder than it yeah. seems. It's funny because, uh, you know, I think Tony even mentioned it during the episode, uh, just at random times during our friendship throughout, you know, junior high and high school, he would, uh, he would come up, here's a sheet of paper. He would come up with, I've got a little quiz, you know, and literally quiz his friends on, on music events, music, you know, music trivia. Um, as, like I said, throughout eighth grade and in his entirety at high school, he would just pop up with these things um, just for fun. <laughs> so this is right up his alley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, just a quick note. Um, at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about an upcoming event for Rob's 
other podcasts, the X-Men podcast. There's a live event happening in Mendocino on the 26th of October. So if you're in the area and you are interested in going down and meeting Rob and engaging in a lively conversation about the X-Men, be sure to stick around to the very end of this episode to get the details on that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think it's time. Let's jump back in. All right. Uh, the next album we're going to cover is The Suburbs, and it is, well, it is their album in combo. The Suburbs are a Minneapolis band. They were formed in 1977, Minneapolis, of course, being a hub of a lot of really great and interesting bands around the time. Um, we have uh, Chan Poling uh, on keyboards and vocals, Bruce C. Allen on guitar and vocals, Beej Cheney on guitar and vocals, Michael Halliday on bass, Hugo Clares on drums and vocals. And uh, so this is their debut album. Um, this is, I, I found it to be interesting. Um, I want to go back and listen to it about seven more times. Uh, this album is kind of rockabilly kind of rock kind of punk kind of new wave and yet there still seems to be like kind of these undertones of of funk in it um and i i like sections of this album a lot and other sections i'm scratching my head like i'm not quite sure what's going on but before we get into that please um why don't we go ahead and hear a song? This is this is the song of my choice, and it is my favorite song on the album. It's it's a funny little tune called Goggles On. I don't think I would have given this album a much of a chance from just listening to the first song. Um, it, it's very confusing. So the, it, the music is high energy, interesting. It's different. The, the vocals are, are unique throughout. And I don't know, it's, it's a very cool and weird album. And I, again, I'm going to have to listen to it over and over again. Cause I, I still have a lot of, a lot to explore there. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Joseph? Ditto. I, I am baffled by this album. I mean, I'm baffled about my feelings and reactions to this yeah. this album. Yeah. I, I I I like it. Um, I'm gonna say a string of things that make it sound like I don't like it, but I actually do like it i just can't wrap my brain around this this is this is the one that has been um just just harshing on my mellow because i i can't can't get a handle on it um i agree with you that the the first song is extremely off-putting mm -hmm. it is like a rockabilly boogie woogie but okay so Basically, what this album feels like, this album feels like it is a compilation or a best of album after they put out like 10 albums, because it feels yeah. like you're it all feels like it's more or less from the same, same band. It's not there isn't anything like super incongruous about it, but 
it feels like you're hearing a couple of songs from one phase of the band's evolution and yeah. then another phase and then another phase. So they're kind of like all over the place, which is usually a big pass for me, but yeah. it is kind of working. I mean, <laughs> at like at the high points for me, I'm hearing some like Oingo Boingo vibes. I'm mm -hmm. hearing some like Suicide Commando vibes. Yeah. It's it's all kind of more lo-fi than like what Oingo Boingo would ever do. This is um an enigma. It it is. This is an enigma, but wearing a I don't know what the fuck hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A sun visor. Yeah. Uh <laughs> But oh, and on certain songs, we are hearing some cowpunk. I, I think this yeah. might be like the first stuff that we have heard chronologically where I've got where I go, oh, cowpunk. I spy, <laughs> I spy with my little eye, cowpunk. So, um, to that end, I had to pick the song aptly titled Cows. I like cows. And they like me. I like cows. Just wait and see. But they go, move. Hey, move over. Well, I like cows. I like to watch meat. I like cows. I had a big feeling you were going to choose this song. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, boy, what an album. Um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, man. It's, uh, it's, yeah, there's, I, I don't know. Obviously we feel the same about this. <laughs> I, I, I think we're both a little um, flummoxed by flummoxed. it. Um, yeah. Not to be, Dismissive. I, I don't want anyone to think that that I'm being dismissive of this no, album. No, no. But it is. Um, I kind of feel about this the way that I f I felt the confusion that I felt about um, Separates by Nine Nine Nine. It's just mm -hmm. a it 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 scrambles my brain um, in a very weird sort of way. Um, I don't love it. I find it a little off-putting, but certainly intriguing. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I can't recommend it to people. It's, it's, it's too. I mean, I don't want to say weird because that makes it sound disjointed. Maybe, maybe. Well, a little bit more interesting yeah. than than it is. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm going to go back to this album and listen to it a bunch more. I might even chop pieces of it up and put it on a mix CD, you know, mm. um, you know, I'm sure there are songs, pulling songs off of it, putting them on, you know, compilations. I think it'll, I think it'll be fine. It's, but you're right. It's so different. Every track is, I don't know. It, it all brings up questions. So. Yeah, but it, it kind of works. That's the. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. That's the amazing thing to me. So I can't just dismiss it um, out of hand like I do with other albums that are this sort of schizophrenic because it feels like there is some sort of underlining internal logic to it. Uh -huh. I just don't know what it is. Right. I, right. I feel like I'm missing a piece of the puzzle. So. All right. Well, like I said, it's <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to it some more. And, uh, you know, again, like you, I, I think it works. It's definitely an interesting album. It, it's the suburbs in combo. And uh, yeah, I it's I, I'm just it's not going to make my list. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but moving on, we have something a little more less baffling. Yes. Yeah. 
It's been a long time coming. We we've been we've been kind of dancing around this album for a while, getting revved up for it. Yep. It is so fun that it's finally here. That is the Buggles debut, uh, an album called The Age of Plastic. Of course, the a big, big, big hit classic off of this is Video Killed the Radio Star. Song that reigned in, you know, brought in an era, basically. At the time, this was not a big hit here in the United States. Um, I think it uh, became more famous at, here in the U.S. as being the first song, uh, first video played on mm-hmm. MTV. I was really surprised to hear that on its initial release, it hit the top 10 in 20 countries, and 16 of those it hit uh, number one. Wow. It did make um, the top 40, just barely made the top 40 in the United States at number 40. I don't ever remember hearing it on the radio at the time. We have, of course, already heard um, Video Killed the Radio Star. Uh, Let's listen to the first cut um, tonight from this album, the title cut, uh, The Plastic Age. The Buggles were a duo, so Trevor Horn and uh, Jeff Downs. They released this album, and then they joined the prog pop band Yes, which I never would have guessed in a thousand years. So the way uh, Buggles uh, got their name, they were originally the Bugs, and apparently some some uh, somebody criticized them and said that they will never be as big as the Beatles. And somehow they got <laughs> in their heads, the bugs, the Beatles became the, the Buggles. Buggles. Yeah. So okay. there's that. Um, this is a concept album um, inspired by Kraftwerk's The Man Machine, which I can mm-hmm. totally see. I will take mm-hmm. this album over The Man Machine every time. Um, but that's because I like my synth pop like this. This is Joseph's sweet spot. I love this album. Um, I had it when I was in high school and I liked it. I think that this is the first time in the last week, first time I've ever actually listened to this album uh, with headphones which makes uh-huh. all the difference in the world. This is a fantastic sounding album. Yeah, the headphones definitely do. It puts you, you know, it it puts you right in the song. So so that makes a whole lot of sense. What a great album. Man. Yeah, I I I really got to backtrack um what I said in the past. So when we were talking about Bruce Woolley's album mm-hmm. um with camera club i said that i liked the buggles execution of the songs better than the camera clubs but i thought that um bruce woolley's songwriting was better and i actually stand by both of those statements however at the time i was i felt like i came off a little strong i was a little disparaging about um the songwriting abilities of um, 
Trevor and Jeff without Bruce Woolley, mm -hmm. which I take back all of it. Um, I think this is really super solid songwriting. I don't have any criticism. I still like the two songs that were um, co-written with uh, Bruce Willey uh, best, but the other ones are great. I, I have no criticism. This is, this is top notch pop synth songwriting. I think yeah. it's, it's great enhanced by fantastic, absolutely yeah. top notch um, studio production. Well, Agreed there. Agreed there. I honestly was really surprised that I enjoyed this album as much as I did. Um, I haven't really listened. I mean, I, I, I've listened to it, but I, I hadn't really, like you with headphones, right? I haven't really until now sat down and just listened to the album. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing so, was really surprised at how much how much joy it brought me. Like it, it really did. I mean, you know, video killed the radio star. Yeah. Great song. Everybody loves it. And then I'm listening to everything around it. Kind of, kind of nodding going, yeah, I get it. It's yeah, it's a good, it's a good album. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, well, I chose a song called clean, clean, which, um, is Bruce Woolley. Co yeah co-wrote yeah and 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 i i think it's a fantastic song i really wonder why i hadn't heard this song before or why i hadn't noticed it before were you familiar with it well i i had this album as a kid so you, you yeah, did. I, yeah, I definitely yeah, yeah. was it, it was released as a single in um in europe and uh. um i don't think it did particularly well i mean obviously it didn't didn't come close to video killed the radio star right um but it, yeah yeah it's a great song thought that Bruce Woolley had left, um, severed his, his ties or his involvement with the Buggles before they recorded any of this. So I, I didn't think he appeared anywhere on this album, but he actually shows up in a couple of these songs. Uh, he does uh, backup vocals. So oh, I, wow. I, I, that, that was... Um, not something that I expected to stumble across, but Bruce Woolley is in there somewhere. Um, this album is Classic Pop Magazine. It calls this the 99th best album of the 1980s. And Paste Magazine says it's the 45th best new wave album of all time. Nice. This is a synth pop album, um, but it is very analogy sounding i mean they're at this point pretty much all of the albums are are analog but it is it has a warmth to it um mm -hmm. an analog feel to it that certainly definitely john fox's album doesn't or you know what um gary newman is doing at the time this is this is an incredibly a craft work or really any of those synth pop bands this is such a warm sounding album, um, which is really the best way to do synth pop for, for yeah. me. That's, that's what, that's my sweet spot. 
So that is the Buggles debut album called The Age of Plastic. This might make my top 10. Um, Mine as well. Yeah, it's likely. I'm not sure. I mean, every season in the January episode, I take this sort of outlier and go, oh, this is probably going to make my top 10. And it never does. And I I suspect this is one of those albums. Um, But it might just, just might squeak in um, at like, seven eight nine ten somewhere somewhere around there i was really surprised at uh what a joy it was to rediscover this album so good love it the 80s are here my friend this is the sound of the early 80s oh man yeah well likewise it's 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 likely to make make my list as well Mm. Uh, and again i was just so surprised at how much I enjoyed this album. So I, I definitely am not going to push it aside. So fantastic. Um, I'm moving right along is a, is an album that I have a lot, uh, I guess a lot invested in emotionally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Jim Carroll band with Catholic boy and the Jim Carroll band began in 1978. Uh, they started out with the name Amsterdam. And then they changed their name to the Jim Carroll Band and got a recording contract with Atlantic. Uh, People Who Died, which we've heard was a great song and a single off that album, and apparently was used in a ton of movies. Um, I didn't realize this until recently, but the first time it's used in a film is the opening scene of E.T., the extraterrestrial, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the 80s and 90s, the Jim Carroll band released four full-length studio albums, one live album, and one EP. Um, some some really great stuff, but uh, we should get into the music before it's too late. In fact, it's the song I picked. It, it's, it's too late. It's too late to fall in love with Sharon Tate. But it's too soon to ask me for the words someone called on my tune. I think it's time that y'all start to think about getting by without that need to go out and find somebody to love. It's too late. There's no one left. Just don't know I'm here to give you my heart and you want some fashion show. But it ain't no contribution Jim Carroll died in 2009, unfortunately, of a heart attack. He was at the young age of 60. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he, he was ill, of course, but uh, it was a big deal. He he was held in high regard and you know, for his for his music, of course, but also for his poetry. In my mind, he was he was one of the great modern poets, and uh, he had this ability to really bring things that he wrote to to life. You know, so in two thousand eight, I was with Music World Radio, and I was setting up an interview with Jim Carroll for for the show for Music World Radio, my show on Music World Radio on September eleventh of two thousand nine. He passed away, and I never got to do the interview. Mm. And I continued to play his music on a regular basis for for quite a while. Um, I did do a tribute show, and I got to interview the drive-by truckers for for a show that I featured them on. Um, they actually, they're a fine band. Um, they actually covered the song "People Who Died" on their album "Alabama Ass Whooping," but. <laughs> The there remains to be like this little sadness for me that we lost this fantastic poet and uh, and you know he like I said he was he was young and he was talented and uh, I don't know sixty years old I guess isn't terribly young but I think it's too young to just drop dead so at any rate um, that's that's my piece on the Jim Carroll band. Um, but yeah, some good stuff, really good stuff. 
What do you think, Joseph? What do you got? So the Jim Carroll band. Um, so Jim Carroll is um, famous for two things, and really my only, the only two touch points I had mm-hmm. before I delved into this album. So uh, people who died. Mm-hmm. There was a movie based on his memoirs called The Basketball Diaries. Indeed. Um, and so he is one of those New York poets um, telling stories about life on the mean streets in New York yeah. in the 70s and 80s. Um, that's a hard sell for me. Ah. <laughs> as you know um so yeah. so that that brings to mind um Lou Reed and um Patty Smith. Ah okay. Right? As far as far as like being um reporters, poets of life on the mean streets yeah. of yeah, of yeah. New York in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And the the way that they they fit into the the punk and post-punk movement. Now, I'm going to break protocol. So typically we wait until the very end of the episode to reveal what our deep dive is going to be on. But I'm just, I got to say right now, it is going to be on um, the Jim Carroll band. Pretty much anything that I say here, I'm just going to repeat myself um, during that deep dive episode. So I'm just going to keep it short and say I like this album a fair amount. It is, it is, it's not really ideally suited for me. I will take this album over Lou Reed any day of the week. Uh. Great band, just top-notch band. It, it makes me think of... Um, Ian Dury, as far as like how uh, a fantastic band can elevate the music. So, uh-huh. so um, Jim Carroll, and I don't think I'm talking out of school here. I, I think that he would, would have probably agreed with me. Not the greatest singer in the world, as far as no, like yeah, his yeah. technical voice and not really the greatest, um, Excluding the lyrics, not really the um, most accomplished songwriter. My suspicion is that the Jim Carroll would come in with a notebook of his writings and then the mm-hmm. band would come up with the groove and he would kind of like start laying the, his stuff down on top of it. That's exactly, that's exactly right. That's what it yeah. sounds like to me. That's exactly. Foremost, he was a poet. Yeah. And yeah. and that's yeah. what we're listening to. Yeah. So. So I will I will leave it at that. I think it's uh tragic that the song listing on this album is the way that it is because the three most compelling songs in my view are the the last three. In fact, both uh-huh. songs that we're listening to are in that last part of the album which i think is curious so at the beginning of the album i was like i don't know that i'm gonna get there uh but man it goes out with the bang so one of those um songs is the title track uh, which is my pick um catholic boy i was born in a pool that made my mother stand and i spat in that surgeon in his trembling hand when i felt the light I stole the doctor's scatling, I slipped the cord. I was a Catholic boy, redeemed the pain, not the joy. I was two months early, they put me under the glass. I screamed a curse at children when the nurses passed. Was convicted of theft when I slipped from the womb. They let me stay from my mother to a cell in the Getting back to the songwriting, um, there's there's actually one song called Day and Night that 
I would love to hear a cover of that song. I think sung by by somebody else, um, it could be a lot more compelling. Like I would love to hear Bruce Springsteen cover cover this song. Mm-hmm. One more note uh, about the female backup vocals. So, and this actually goes back to the Buggles. Uh, something I forgot to mention about the Buggles album. So, in the Buggles album, the way that they treat the the female backup vocals. I think is impeccable. They do a fantastic job where it, it all fits so well. Not on this album. Um, I when the when the female backup vocals come in, it it it's kind of jarring to me. It feels shoehorned in. I'm not a fan of of that. Um, that's that's sort of like my main criticism about this album is is the um, execution of the backup vocals. I think it I think it takes away from Jim Carroll's message. Yeah, you know what? I I'm I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Well, I think that's it for uh for the Jim Carroll band's Catholic boy. Of course, um, you know, w- we're going to hear more of him coming up soon. Mm-hmm. So, I will just come out and say it. I can I can bet you that, you know, Jim Carroll Band's Catholic Boy will be on my top 10. If not, it'll be an honorable mention. It'll be pretty mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So It seems unlikely that it's going to be on my top 10 list, but I will say this unequivocally. Um, everybody, you really should listen to this album before you make this list. This is a this is an essential album to be considered yeah. now i'm not saying it should be on your list but um it would be a a shame if you put together your list and you are not familiar with this album oh yeah okay the we have two more albums to discuss they um are up until now every album was released in january of 1980 next two albums were released in 1980 we don't know what month, probably not this early in the year, uh, but we had a couple of slots, so we put them in here. Uh, the first one is the uh, debut album. Excuse, well, it, it was the first and last and only album by <laughs> The Distractions called Nobody's Perfect. I This is, this is one of those... Um, after you get through the first couple of songs, which are my favorite songs of the album, this is 60s and 70s rock and roll with a new wave hat. Yeah. It's very lo-fi. I, I was so excited when I started out. The first couple of songs, I was like, oh, this is going to be like some great like C86, like, early slop rock lo-fi chill pop Mm -hmm. but then but after the first couple of songs it got into like rock and roll and i have i had a hard time like not checking out on this so this is a, a British band. They formed in 1975. They released this one album, um, and then they split in 1981. Let's listen to the first song on the album, my favorite song, the song that got me excited, um, only to, to have my hopes crushed later on. It's a song called Waiting for Lorraine. Sitting by the telephone and waiting I'm sitting there and staring in my drink I'm trying to make up excuses for her I thought how nice it would be not to think Thought of what she said, hoped she was lying Was it just a thoughtless wild attack? It's just something that I'm lacking But I'm waiting for the rain Waiting for the rain Waiting for the rain to phone me back 
I really like this song. I think it's like pure pop, low by uh, perfection. Um, love the vibe of it. Uh, unfortunately, after a couple of songs, they get they get fixated with Buddy Holly, and it's like Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly with the new wave hat um, all the way through. <laughs> So frustrating. So very frustrating. Um, what did you think about it? Well, I I have to say that I, I stayed checked in a little bit longer than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you were out about the third or fourth song, whereas I, I lasted till the seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 14-track album, too, so that's only halfway. But um, a- after that... I, I really felt like it was kind of more the same, more of the yeah. same. And yeah. uh, so it's, yeah, not crazy about the album. Um, you know, it's not the romantics, but it's, uh, <laughs> you <Thank> know, God. <laughs> but it's, it's just kind of, again, more of the same. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that, that uh, what I like about this is that at least it's like kind of, scruffy it's not slick and boring yeah yeah Um, you're right about that so so that that kind of enhances it but it's still underneath all of that that sort of loose shaggy dog stuff it's they're still kind of just buddy holly songs you know Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. to be clear they're not covers of buddy holly songs but they they sound like they could be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, you know, I think we're still kind of riding that riding the wave of like some of these in some of these guys influences were bands from, you know, back in that day, but yeah, but and, yeah totally. And there were several songs where um, I went, okay, this doesn't sound like a Buddy Holly song so much as like a sixties girl group song. Um, <laughs> yeah. But still, it, right. you know, it's all, it's very, very entrenched in the in yeah. the fifties and sixties rock, which um, it's an uphill climb for me for sure. I I I have no. Had you ever heard of the distractions? Um, I you know I I want to say yes, but it could really be that just their name sounds like somebody else's name. Mm-hmm. The distractions mm-hmm. isn't really a very it's not an, you know, it doesn't sound original. Um, it just sounds kind of, you know, it's like the distractions, the pretenders, the, yeah, this, the yeah. that it's so it could be that I'm, I'm, you know, but I certainly didn't recognize any of the, any of the songs. Yeah. So, um, there's any listener out there that is passionate about this band. I, I definitely want to hear from you because I yeah. feel like, I, I feel like I'm missing something. Um, you know, it's not like the suburbs where I, I can't get a, a grip on it. It doesn't confuse me that way. I'm just wondering if this is a band that has like a rabid cult following. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, that's how I feel <laughs> about this band. Uh, uh. <laughs> Well, the song I picked, uh, again, which is halfway through the album, I feel was a was one of those songs that was not that Buddy Holly song, you know. Mm. Um, I ch- I chose Paracetamol Paralysis, and the 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 vocals on this song, to me, they they feel kind of fun. I'm here at the disco, wanna get in the groove. Paracetamol, 
paracetamol paralysis i i feel like that's a fun song the delivery of the vocals to me is is a lot of fun um it's it's kind of a unique song on a song full of, or an album full of similar songs <laughs> so so that is the distractions uh one and only release uh, called nobody's perfect uh ain't that the truth um yeah, yeah this is this is a an album i don't imagine i will spend much more brain space on how about you yeah no like i said i i enjoyed that song um and I'm not even sure I enjoyed it enough to put on a mix CD. Maybe, but the rest of the album can go. I don't care about it so much. Um, but we could move on to our next and final album of this mm -hmm. episode. Um, a band that we've heard a little bit about, a little bit about already. This is Human Sexual Response with their album Figure 14. Um, now these guys started in Boston in 1978. And their origins kind of went from, get this, they were an all-kazoo band. <laughs> no way! Totally. <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> 100%, yeah. So they started out as, I think, a four-person all-kazoo band. Uh, and then they were like, okay, well, this isn't working for us. We're certainly not hitting the tops of the charts with the kazoo. So let's go on to become a, an acapella band, an acapella group. So somebody was like, you know, you guys probably ought to play some instruments. So that's when they went to the band that we're now listening to. <laughs> a lot of their stuff had some cult success. Not a whole lot more than that, though, unfortunately. There was a song called Jackie Onassis which did get some play uh, more broader, more broader range as far as where it was being, you know, where it was being played. And, uh, but everything else is just kind of quiet for them. Unfortunately, after cutting two albums and an EP, the band broke up in 1982. So at any rate, let's, let's start in by listening to the song I chose called Dolls. originally talk about this band when uh, Michael Gricko mm -hmm. schooled us on the Boston scene in the 70s and 80s. At that time, we did not feature a song by them. So this is the, um, at least as far as I could tell, I thought that we did, but I'm going through the playlist and it doesn't, doesn't look like there's anything there. Yeah, um, I, I felt like we kind of listened to some of their stuff, but I can't even pinpoint it, to be honest. In any case... There was a 100% chance that Dolls was going to be the song that you picked. Oh, no yeah. doubt in my <laughs> mind. The first time I heard it, I went, oh, this is so Rob. This is so incredibly Rob. Isn't it great? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of like it. So this is a big ditto for me from what I said about the last album uh, mm -hmm. by the distractions where i was so excited starting out and the first several songs uh, were were really exciting mm -hmm. and then and then it kind of got more into like the same thing there was some boogie woogie rock and roll which was such a surprise to me uh, -huh. uh it really varies from song to song so we're, we don't really hear it that much in the two songs that we picked because we picked, you know, our favorite songs. <laughs> yeah. This band has so much potential. And 
there are several songs off of this album that I really, really like. Um, the song that I picked, the first cut off of the album called um, Anne Frank Story is another one that I've put on my personal playlist. It's a long song, but it doesn't get old. They just, this is a near perfect song for what they're trying to do. It's so exciting. I get so frustrated that the rest of the album doesn't come close to reaching this height. Although yeah. there are several songs off of this album that I that I really like. The the second song off of the album, really good. They do a, a pretty on-the-nose, sexually deviant song called Dick and Jane, mm -hmm. which is about, has an element of bestiality because Spot gets in on the action. <laughs> Which, which in retrospect seems a little obvious, but I'm sure at the time was um, pretty cutting edge. It kind of reminds me in a weird way of the Devo song off of Uh Oh, It's Devo, the the Barbie song, or I yeah. can't remember exactly what it was. But it's got that kind of a feel, but of course they push it way, way, way further than than Devo ever would as far as the... The well, as far as I know, Devo's never <laughs> never did a song about bestiality. Um, so it is a a disappointing, frustrating album with some really cool, interesting highlights. Yeah, um, for sure. So so let's go ahead and listen to my pick. Um, called Anne Frank Story. Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum Push back the bookcase you can see them Anne's always scribbling in her scrapbook Peek over her shoulder, take a closer look Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum up the back stairway you can see them Downstairs all day the baker's baking Pastries the Franks are never tasting Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum. Time warp at the Anne Frank Museum. I just wish that the rest of the album was kind of like playing in this lane. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they just, they, there's a cover of Cool Jerk. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not crazy about that song to begin with. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, they don't help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are, there are moments sort of the, the low points on the album for me where they, they just kind of sound like a pub rock band, you know? Right. Um, and I, I'm sure that stuff was, were cloud pre pleasers when they played the pubs, yeah. but, um, you I mean, mean when they were playing at the Casper Inn? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure Dick and Jane would have gone over real big at the Casper oh, Inn in the late you 70s. You know, enough, enough Jack Daniels <laughs> and enough weed. I think people would have been fine with it. You know, I was thinking about the fact that, that we talked about them and maybe didn't play music and I'm, you know, they only had two albums and I'm pretty mm -hmm. certain that we didn't listen to anything from this album. Mm -hmm. um, so we must not have, we yeah. must not have played yeah, their, their I, music at I, all. I think that, um, he lived and breathed that scene and we, you know, we told him, yeah, 
14 songs. You can only do 14 songs. <laughs> Yeah. So so we really had to whittle it down, and that must have been one of the band. I I know that we talked about them, um, mm -hmm. but I, I it doesn't look like we we featured a song. I you know talk about potential. So I am I am really very very excited to hear their next album. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of promise here. Um, I'm hoping that on the second album they. They shed their the pub rocky roots, which I'm yeah. assuming um, that they actually had pub rock roots and kind of went in the direction that the high points of this album, because there's so much promise. Yeah. There. Well, I will say that I, I always feel nervous when I get excited to hear what the next album is. And then I realize it's the last album, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, can it be good? You know, it's their final album. But you know what? Plenty of plenty of bands had a great last album. Yeah. So. Oh, and also, I just want to say, um, I think it's great that they started out as an all kazoo band. Um, I yeah. don't ever <laughs> want to hear any of their the music no, that no. they made as an all kazoo band. <laughs> but I I love the fact that that's that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those, one of those great, what were they called? Kazoondite, Kazund, I think was the name of their band. Kazoondite. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, well, that was Human Sexual Response's uh, debut album, Figure 14. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to make my list. It's just not... I, I do love the song dolls and the, mm -hmm. the Anne Frank song was my other, my other choice. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd be happy to hear those songs again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a wrap. Oh, that was, um, uh, a pretty hefty amount of albums. Um, yeah. So, uh, Rob, can you just remind us uh, of all of the albums that we've we've covered over these sure last two episodes? Yeah, I sure can. So we did Sparks, Terminal Jive, 999's The Biggest Prize in Sport, uh, X, the Australian Bands, X Aspirations, John Fox's Metamatic, The Wipers, or excuse me, Wipers, Is This Real? The Rudy Columns, The Return of the Rudy Column, The Romantics, The Romantics, Suburbs in Combo, Buggles with The Age of Plastic, Jim Carroll Band's Catholic Boy, The Distractions, First, Last, and Only Album, Nobody's Perfect, and Human Sexual Responses, Figure 14. All right, drum roll. Everybody yeah. wants to know, Rob, what is your uh, favorite album of January 1980? What gets Rob's best of show blue ribbon? Well, so I, I'm going to have to go with Jim Carroll Band. Mm -hmm. um, although I will say that... John Fox is a pretty close mm. tie. I really like that album. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm all in with Jim Carroll band. Like I said, just out of nostalgia. Uh, John Fox to me was, was very different and, and interesting. Um, so both of those are, pretty likely or at least definitely considered for my end of the year list. How about you? Well, I think my, my answer is as predictable as yours was. Uh, it's gotta mm -hmm. be the buggles, the age of plastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. And the buggles, uh, buggles are, uh, it, it doesn't look good for me, man. I've got three albums that I'm like, yeah, I totally want to put these on my top 10. I only have 10 and we're only in January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And this is kind of peeking ahead. This is one of the weaker months yeah. as far yeah. as, um, you know, classic albums go. Uh, yeah. I, it's well, I, 
I think Buggles and your pick and my pick would qualify as as classic yeah. um, uh, albums, but but all the rest, you know, a little odd. It's it's an odd bunch, but a fantastic playlist. I've been loving yeah. this playlist. Yeah, so me good. too. I so, I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the episode, but I walked miles today, and mm-hmm. the whole time I was listening to this playlist and really yeah. digging it. I I didn't even realize how far I was walking because I was having such a good time. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things I'd love to touch base with you on. We we how how is your other podcast going? Actually, it's going really well. Um, I don't like to call it a podcast, although that's what it is. Um, I mean, I'm not knocking it. We have a lot of loyal listeners and people are enjoying it. And, you know, um, but again, it started as a as a book club. That's what it was mm-hmm. supposed to be. And then everybody's like, yeah, but what if we recorded it? And I said, OK, go ahead and record it. But mm-hmm. turned into a podcast. Um, I will say that I have have made a lot of really cool contacts with other podcasts and uh, a lot of a lot of creators and and um it's interesting when you're watching a live stream of another podcast and they notice that you're listening and there's like 1200 people on the stream but they they you know kind of kind of you know, seek you out or at least you know say hey so and so's on here it's it it is by the way called the house of x book club and so, you know, they'll notice us watching their live stream out of 1,200 people, and it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's going really well. Um, it's pretty. It's, it can be pretty harried. It can be pretty off the hook. Um, you and I are are quite, you know, we're structured. And although there is some structure with the House of X Book Club. It's just whatever the hell we feel like saying. And uh, and we have Shane, who is a dear friend from from high school, is our comic relief, I guess you could say. Um, but he is just out of control. The man has mm-hmm. no filter, and it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, Well, I, I am subscribed to it. I download it, so I'm adding to your numbers. Um, I try and listen to it, but I, I got to tell you just the subject matter. I, I, yeah. re- I understand about as much of it as if I were listening to like a podcast about advanced thorough dynamics. I just, I'm dumb <laughs> as a rock when it comes to X-Men and comic books and, and all of that. And it is baffling to me. Um, but that is not a crit- criticism. I, I think that that it is like exactly the conversation to be had for people who are hardcore X Men fans. Yeah. Well, it's it, we're doing something cool uh, next month, and that is that we are doing a live recording um, at Gallery Bookshop in Mendocino for oh, the House cool. of X podcast. Yeah, the House of X uh, Book Club podcast. We are. Uh, you know, and it's treated as an event. We'll be open. We'll be selling graphic novels and X-Men comics. And, you know, there's a little giveaway taking place. And it's it's going to be a blast. Uh, the, we're, the members of the book club are scattered all over the place, but we're all coming together uh, to do this to do this fun thing. So and, and do you have an exact date and time? Yes, indeed, I do. I'm sorry. Uh, October 26th. And it is at 6.30 p.m. at Gallery Bookshop in Mendocino. Is that something that somebody just can wander in off the street and participate uh, in? or do they? Absolutely. Cool. No, yeah, just, just show up. And, uh, you know, we talk about, it's funny because Mendocino's small. There's not a comic book store in Mendocino. In fact, there's not even one in Fort Bragg anymore. So if you, if you, you know, you have to get your comics online or you know order them in or or whatever now there's a lot of comic book lovers there's a lot of people that'll come in and have no idea much like yourself what we're talking about so we're kind of given a primer on who the x-men are and what comic books are all about marvel comics specifically oh so So, it's going to be like x-men for dummies that's what i need exactly (laughs) that's exactly what it is yeah and we in fact we'll be covering a book called x-men the grand design which is a little bit of the X-Men history. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I'm so bad that I, that I have to like, I get 
X-Men and Fantastic Four confused all the time. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what a newbie yeah. I am. <laughs> you Recently, you gave me a comic book that was X-Men, or excuse me, that was uh, Wolverine and, and Spider-Man. And Wolverine is one of the X-Men. So mm-hmm. um, now this, uh, this fun event will also be on Gallery Bookshop's uh, Facebook page because we're going to live stream it as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, it should be a good time. Cool. One of the advantage advantages to being the the programmer of events at yep. Gallery Bookshops. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's awesome. So our next episode, as we mentioned before, is going to be a deep dive on Jim the Jim Carroll Band. Um, we just found out that uh, this the guests that we had scheduled had to back out due to circumstances beyond anyone's control. So that's a bummer, but we are scrambling to find another guest. Uh, what that means is that we might actually have to push that episode back a week or two. So it will probably be, be released either the fourth or the fifth Sunday of this month. It will happen in October, just maybe a little bit later than we normally release the episode. So thank you for your patience on that. Um, we're, we're really excited about it. I'm going to learn a lot regardless of who our guest is. Okay, well, I, I think that just to, to set the mood... We're going to go out um, in case anyone going Jim Carroll. I don't think I know Jim Carroll. You probably know this song. So just get everybody up to speed. Get you excited about this next episode. We are going to go out on by far his most famous song called People Who Died. Well, thanks, Rob. Um, have a yeah. Have a great you know, couple of weeks with your family. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if I'm looking forward to the trip, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing, seeing my folks. Cause it's been a while. So, but I have had such a blast tonight. Uh, thank you very much, Joseph. You know, like yeah. I, I thanked you before we even started. I said, buddy, thank you for being here. I, <laughs> I missed it. You know, I really yeah. did. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're, back in the saddle yeah it's good good to be um getting our rhythm back um i'm starting to feel it getting excited yeah all right rob thank you so much everybody all right we'll see ya Jess had the clue he was 12 years old he fell from the roof on east 29 kathy was 11 when she pulled the plug 26 reds and a bottle of wine bobby got leukemia 14 years old he looked like 65 when he died I'm already one of the undead, Greg. I can still throw death spells, huh, Steve? I'm just trying to help yeah. you out, man. Don't be so cranky. How about throwing a spell over the pizza man? Where did I pizza man? Get it, huh? Well, I'm ready to play now. I'm ready to play now, you guys. We're in the middle, Elliot. Can't you join any universe in the middle? I got him. I got him. Mm. Yeah, what am I talking about? Pop in my mouth. Pop in my mouth. Yeah. Mike? I know it's not for us. It's for his mother. Mike? Papa Uma You have to ask Steve. He's Game Master. Papa he has Uma absolute Mama. power. Steve! Thanks Steve, can I play now? Go away from the tape.